Welcome to another of the short street podcasts that Jonathan Straw and I have been doing, uh, it seems, forever now since the lockdown began. And today I am delighted to be able to talk and spend 10 or more minutes with uh, with World Fantasy Award nominee Molly Gloss. And my, my congratulations on getting nominated for your uh, retrospective collection of stories. Well, thank you. I'm excited. Um, and I, for that matter, congratulations on working uh, with uh, Saga Press to get some some of your classic books back into print. That's something that uh, uh, Joe Monty deserves some credit for, also. I gather. Absolutely, he was. He just called me out of the blue, and we um, we had kind of a long conversation about about the books that he he had that he was familiar with, but mm-hmm. um, that were either sort of moribund or out of print. So before we knew it, we had a, a big gathering of books that he was going to be publishing and republishing. That's great. And then the, um, I was, I was, I almost, I almost gave the wrong title of your collection. I almost said unforgiven, but that's, that's a pretty good <laughs> Yes, that's but, a Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> but, but Unforeseen is a great title for uh, a book that you probably weren't expecting to get nominated for a World Fantasy Award. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely true. And, and kind of, uh, it was unforeseen that the collection was going to come out at all. So, you know, I'm not a prolific writer, and I haven't written a, a ton of short stories over the years, and... So I didn't really think a collection of stories was in my future. So I'm pretty now, this, pretty happy about it. Uh, this is your first and probably only collection of stories? Yes, yes, absolutely. And what about novels? Have you given up on novels? Because I saw something that you, you, you write very slowly and maybe don't want to do another one. <laughs> that's, that's also true. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I, I write. I write very slowly. It can take me six years or more to finish a novel. And um, I just don't think I want to, I don't want to spend the next six years working on another novel. Um, it makes absolute sense. Yeah. Well, does this give you, okay, to, to get to the questions we talk about on these short podcasts, this should give you time to read. <laughs> that's, that's true. I've been doing a lot of um, listening to uh-huh. books. Um, I have a, about an hour commute back and forth to the horses um, every day. And so I can get through an audiobook pretty fast at that rate. So I've been listening to a lot of books um, in addition to what I read when I'm home. What are some of your favorites right now? Um, at the moment, I'm listening to Black Leopard Red Wolf by Malcolm, is, what is his name? Marlon, Marlon, Marlon James. James. Yeah, I'm listening to that, which is a fascinating read because uh, listen because of the voice. The, mm-hmm. the narr- narrator is using a I'm not sure um, African Jamaican sort of um, um, voice. I, 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 I don't know who narrated. I mean, I think Marlon James himself is from. He's uh, he's Jamaican. Jamaican, but the mm-hmm. the opening chapters, uh, the, the the chapter headings in, in in that novel, as I recall, are all Yoruba. Uh, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so I don't know what the voice is supposed to be, but it's an alternate history anyway. So yes, yes, it is. But it's beautifully narrated, and I'm enjoying it quite a lot. And I just finished listening to um, 
Wallace Stegner, Crossing to Safety, which is, I think, might be his last novel before his death. Uh Um, And very autobiographical sort of novel. Quite meta, actually. Um, But I liked it. I liked it. Well, he's somebody you've been been compared to to Stegner, haven't you? Well, because we both have written about the the American West, people in the West. I think maybe that's why people bring his name name up in connection with me. I suppose so. Angle of Repose is the one that comes up, I believe. Yeah, yeah, because it's, as a woman, a central character, a woman in the 1880s or 90s. Mm-hmm. Well, um, are there are there any books that uh, that you feel uh, are would be good settling down books for people who are stranded in uh, an, apoc- an apocalyptic moment like ours? <laughs> well, you know, there are those novels that... Um, seem to have predicted our our certain circumstances. I finished uh, Sarah Pinsker's song for a new day right before the lockdown. I mean, really, wow. liter- yeah. li- literally had only finished it, I think, at the end of February. It was amazing to um, to then begin to experience something so very much like what she had written about in her in her novel. Mm-hmm. And and I also read. um is it called The Unseen World, Lismore? Um, I think so. Maybe that's not the one I'm trying to think of. Um, oh, I know what it was. It was The Dreamers. Karen Thompson Walker's The Dreamers, which also has a sort of post-apocalyptic, um, pandemic sort of theme to it. Um very uh-huh. much like what we're experiencing now, but but what I read more likely let, uh, am drawn to read because of this crazy world we're living in right now is is comfort and and for me that's reading sort of people living quiet lives, people living in a way that we don't live anymore. I really really loved The Horseman by Tim Pears, um, which is about uh, it's an, a British novel set in Devon or Somerset, somebody mm-hmm. like that, uh, at around the, I'm guessing, around the turn of the last century, around 1900. Um, so it's very um, detailed about the way people lived their lives back then. It's a very slow-moving novel. I just adored it. Mm-hmm. I really, I really love um, Niall Williams. Do you know his work at all? I don't it, think so. Um, his novel, This is Happiness, which is about Ireland at around the time that electricity starts to arrive in all the small villages. Hmm. I really love that as well. That sounds like a terrific idea for a novel. One okay. of the novels that people have, I don't know, I think a couple of people have mentioned this, which reminds me because it's more or less in, in, in your part of the country, was was George R. Stewart's Earth Abides from way back in oh yeah mm-hmm. 1950 yeah um, mm-hmm. and I, I was talking to Connie Willis about it because she had written an introduction for the I think the University of Nebraska Press reprinted it mm-hmm. but there's the, the, those are weirdly uh, pastoral novels as well uh, yes they are and in, I, in fact many of the uh, the sort of um, post-apocalyptic science fiction is pastoral mm-hmm. by, by its very nature in a way. 
one of the novels that I edited a, a couple of volumes for the Library of America a few years ago of science fiction of the 50s. And one of the novels was Lee Brackett's The Long Tomorrow, which takes place in, mm-hmm. in rural Ohio. And again, it the the setting in in a weird way, in a weird way, the setting reminded me of your Quaker-like setting in The Dazzle of Day. Um, mm. and I, I read, I did read that, but it's been so long ago. I have very little memory of it at this point. It's 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 an unusual novel, and it was her one attempt. At writing an adult science fiction novel after all her pulp magazine, th- and yeah. after all her work in Hollywood, for that matter, working with Howard Hawks and so forth and so on. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get to the, um, the third question. What have you got uh, out in the world now? We know you have The Unforeseen. Um, you want to tell us about that at all? How it came together? Um well, it was Joe Monty who asked me if I thought I had enough stories um, for a collection. I said I thought I might. Um, Mm -hmm. I looked back at everything that I'd written over the years, published over the years. Most of them were science fiction, but not all. He said he didn't care if it was um, a genre collection. Uh He said, just put in the collection whatever you think belongs there. So um, I I left out a few stories, but not many. this collection is, as it's been called, you know, a career retrospective. Mm-hmm. It it is pretty much uh, the stories I've written over my over my writing life. So I look at them now and I see some stories written quite early on um, that I would I would probably uh, pare down now. I think they were overwritten maybe and. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I would probably be a little more spare than I than I was then, um, but I think it's useful in a way to see stories all across the spectrum, oh, 30, 35 years of stories to see how the writer's work has has changed. So I didn't fiddle with them, you know. No, I pretty I think much left them the same way, so people can see, you know. Also simplifying the work of future scholars who don't have to try (laughs) for you, which editions. But a few years ago, I was involved with a a similar collection by by Kit Reed, and she made the same decision. First of all, leave the older stories with the flaws as she saw them now and not Uh worry about whether a story was a mainstream story or science fiction or horror or whatever. And I think that is a much better way of getting a, a, a picture of an author's career, which is what a book like this is for. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. Are there new and stories? And I was, I, was, I was glad that Joe uh, uh, agreed with that as well. Um, well, Joe says that uh, that he owes the idea to Ursula Le Guin uh, because he was talking to her. I've talked to him about it at some point. Uh, so you have, you had a big fan in Ursula, I gather. <laughs> well, we've been, we were friends for 35 years or so. We live close to each other and... Um, saw each other all the time. Yeah. Great. But my other question was, are there any new stories uh, or, or newer stories uh, in, in the collection? Yes. There. Joe had asked me for, I think he asked me for two new stories. So there are two that have never been published elsewhere in the collection. Um, one of them, um, uh, Charlie, uh, published in fantasy and science fiction around the same time that the collection came out. Mm-hmm. 
as a way to draw attention to the to the collection. Um, but that's my most recent story. I haven't written, I haven't published any stories since then. I have one in the works, as I said, very slow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I, I, I don't think that's anything to be um, ashamed about because I've talked to uh, two other writers who are known to be very slow short fiction writers, Eileen Gunn and Ted Chang. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you can't argue with the quality of, of the <laughs> slow writers. Well, that's the hope always, of course. Well, um, anything else you want to mention before we uh, say goodbye to our listeners? Um, gosh. Um, keep reading. Keep reading. Wear your mat. Wear your mask. Be safe. And I guess we should um, all tune in. We should all tune into the now virtual World Fantasy uh, Awards, which would have been in Salt Lake City, uh, and some portion of them, I guess, is still there. But but uh, that's coming up in uh, end of October, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, I think okay, so. Great. I think so. Does that mean I have to dress up, even though yes. it's virtual? Yes. Absolutely, you have to dress up. <laughs> the advantage, I discovered this during Worldcon, the advantage of online um, conventions is that the wine is much cheaper than in the hotel. <laughs> so, Well, once again, this has been uh, the Cood Street Podcast, 10 Minutes With. I'm delighted to have had a chance to talk um, with Molly Gloss, and thank you for being with us. Thank you, Gary. It's a pleasure.